Hi, I'm John Beely, CEO of Online Visas, and this is Voice of Immigration. Today marks a very important day in immigration, as this is the day that President Trump uh, entered a proclamation suspending entry of aliens who present a risk to the U.S. labor market following the coronavirus outbreak. In effect, uh, President Trump banned work visas, um, and we're going to go through what work visas he banned and what can still be filed. Uh, we'll dig into this. Uh, so let's drink a little coffee and uh, roll up our sleeves and get into this. And in other news, uh, the USCIS um, filed a, uh, a regulation regarding amnesty, which we were an asylum, I'm sorry, that we'll deal with in another thing, but a very, very long 300 plus regulation revision uh, for, uh, for those folks restore integrity to the immigration system. So uh, a lot of immigration stuff went down today, but we're going to focus right now on the proclamation of the president that came down late today, um, about five o'clock central time, six o'clock eastern time, end of the day. Lots of articles today on a lot of different things on what this would be. We've been seeing it um, coming down the pipe and uh, it finally dropped and now we're doing this. So we're going to see a ban on H-1B, H-2B, L-1, J-1 visas until December 31st, uh, 2020. We thought we might go through October. We thought we might have something before the election so that another event could happen with the president as he was running or is running for re-election uh, for the um, next term of presidency. Now, what didn't it do? Well, one of the things is this is not for uh, the filing of anything inside the United States. So if an H-1B is extending their H-1B or amending their H-1B, an extension would be in the same position uh, you know, uh, for a longer period of time. An amendment would be in a different position, potentially even a different company. Um, you can still do that and you can change status. So if someone is on an F-1 student visa or a B-1 visitor visa, they can change their status to any of these visas if they're in the United States. There's also some things that weren't in there. Uh, we were looking out for maybe uh, the employment authorization document uh, that to be um, taken away from either H-4s or uh, students on their OPT. OPT stands for Optional Practical Training. Uh, that was not covered in this proclamation. So a lucky break for students and students who want to work and uh, those who are spouses who are working uh, for H-1Bs. We thought those might have been on the plate. They weren't. There were also um, a discussion of a very significant filing fee increase, and we did not see that. However, we did see some very troubling language of a proposal for more regulations to come down the pipe um, that were not in this pretty short proclamation. So in those regulations, we may see things like fee increases. Um, we have heard of fee increases initially as high as $100,000. Um, we saw fee increases, maybe $20,000 most recently. None of those were covered. But in the regulations, we might see a change on that. So uh, there is some, uh, some uh, I guess, some looming language, looming language of what USCIS or Department of Labor uh, might be coming up with to deal with a new regulation on that. So let's dig into this. So um, there were a couple of findings. Um, it's mostly around uh, wanting to protect uh, U.S. workers because while the rate of the 13.3%, um, which is the extreme, the highest, the most extreme unemployment ever recorded by the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, in May, the rate of 13.3%, um, and a they said a marked decline in April. 
millions of Americans still remain out of work. So that's basically the reason for this. Um, and there was a couple findings that the president made. So one was that um, that uh, the admission of workers within several non-immigrant categories pose risk of displacing and disadvantaging United States workers during the current recovery is one of the findings under the extraordinary circumstances of economic contraction resulted from the COVID-19 outbreak. Certain non-immigrant visa programs um, pose an unusual threat to uh, American workers. And for example, 17 million United States jobs were lost in industries uh, for positions tied to the H-2B visa. Uh, during the same period, 20 million United States workers lost their jobs in key industries where employees are currently requesting H-1B and L uh, workers to fill positions. And that uh, the J immigrant visa uh, hits a part of American workers um, that have a particularly high unemployment rate, 29.9% of 16 to 19-year-olds and 23.2% of 20 to 24-year-olds in that group um, under that would be impacted by the J visa. So this is to deal with that. Now, what's really interesting, and I'm going to try to rub some analysis in this while I'm taking you through this. Now, remember, I just read this today. So we're going to break this down further. And a matter of fact, uh, if, if you're on our YouTube channel, please subscribe and uh, to our channel and click for the updates and we'll keep you updated. We're going to try to do a webinar on this on Thursday um, which would be uh, June 28th, I believe. We'll try to do a webinar then on what you can still do as we dig in a little deeper and we see some deeper analysis and maybe understand what these regulations may do. We'll also tell you a little bit more, but I'm going to tell you my initial impressions on this. Uh, uh, also, go to onlinevisas.com and you can ask for a strategy session if you want more information on this. But what we're going to do today is go through these and try to talk about what hasn't been impacted and what you can still do. Okay, so that's what we're going to try to do. So one of the things in these findings are a little disingenuous um, because there's some factors out there. Now, remember, a lot of U.S. employers are going to be hammered by this um, ban on the H-1B and L workers in particular, and the H-2B for that matter. But those are kind of different types of, of employers. The H-1B and the Ls are looking for professionals. What H-1Bs are for those that have university degrees. And a really big segment of that is the tech sector, right? Um, but also universities higher in those areas, uh, financial markets higher in those areas. We have an economy that's trying to come back online. Now, here's what's really interesting that was not a fact that was given in there because it didn't meet what they were trying to do. And that's that the, um, despite the uh, uh, low unemployment rate that was even during the coronavirus of 3% in the tech industry, that that actually lowered during the coronavirus outbreak to 2.5%. And there's been a lot of major players that have been trying to inform the president and the White House that, look, this isn't hurting the, uh, the people you're trying to protect. Those jobs are right there. So they could have done a carve out for tech workers, but they didn't. And we've seen that this White House has been at war with the tech sector um, and uh, may have used the coronavirus and not the statistics around that sector to punish them in this sort of scenario. So uh, pretty unfortunate for, for that group. So um, we'll go on. Now, the president is saying that he can use 212F and 2 15A of the Immigration Nationality Act to do that. And that's really for immigration into the United States. Now, immigration is a term of art, and these are non-immigrant visas. So 
He's trying to use kind of couple that with a security interest. So beware of lawsuits, uh, ladies and gentlemen. They may not have the authority to go after the non-immigrant visa the way he is doing it. Now, he has limited it to outside the United States, and that might be why, or probably likely why, you don't see this affecting um, extensions, amendments, changes of status, and those things. So, uh, so that's a good thing. Um, all right, so as we move on... Um, and there's section two is the entry into the United States of aliens seeking entry pursuant to any of the following non-immigrant visas is hereby suspended and limited subject to section three. So section three is going to create some, uh, some ex exceptions. So let's go through what two is. So a, an H1B or H2B visa and any alien accompanying or following to join such alien. Now I hate the word alien, right? These people are not from outer space. They're foreign nationals. They are citizens of other countries that are not uh, permanent residents of the United States. But that's what the law says, and there we're going. But that's my, my soapbox. I think the use of the word alien is just used to be a negative term uh, for political purposes, and foreign national is a much better one. But in any case, these citizens of other countries cannot come into the United States um, on an H-1B or H-2B visa without the exceptions we'll go through. And that includes spouses and kids, right? So that's H-4s um, on, that, on that deal. Um, the second one, uh, Section B, is a J visa to the extent the alien is participating as an intern, teacher, or trainee, teacher, camp counselor, au pair, summer work, travel program, and any alien accompanying or following such alien um to that. So let's go through that. There's 14 J1s. So the intern and trainee, those are the really the big ones, right? So interns are those who are usually still in college. Trainees are usually management trainees. Those are out of college with a year of experience. Uh, teachers, camp counselors, au pairs, that's a lot of them. Uh, it does not say foreign medical graduates. Uh, that's a big J program. So FMGs or international um, medical graduates, I think they're called now, um, are, are, are not part of this. That's a, that's a big save, I think, um, for, for those that are coming here typically to do the residency. Uh, we'll dig in a little bit deeper on that when we do that, but that's just coming to mind. Uh, the L visa and any alien accompanying or following such aliens. So that means the spouses on L2s and kids. Um, so the, L, the L1A is for managers and executives of international companies. Uh, those are excluded, which is a really weird one, right? Um, how are those people... Um, taking jobs from Americans. I mean, if an international company wants to send their managers or executives over here um, because they know the special sauce, because they need to operate their company the way they did, you're really, really shackling investment into the United States. This is a crazy, nonsensical one. They could have said the L1B, which is you know more for special sauce things, but I think the L should really be off off limits. Uh, that's a that's a crazy ad right there. Um, you know, asking a foreign company to come in and you can only hire Americans and you can't bring your others in. Um, now, of course, that's the exception. Those that are already here can extend. Um, those that are on visitor visas can extend. Uh, but uh, but that's a that's a tough one. Um, uh, for, for those folks trying to come in and expand. And this is a really good time to invest in America. And America needs investment, right? We don't need to just be borrowing money from Chinese banks, 
which is what we've done, Saudi Arabian banks, which is what we've done. With the L1A, that's where companies are coming and investing and bringing uh, business to the United States. We're trying to bring back business. Isn't that the whole thing that this administration ran on? But right now, they didn't go that far. But we'll see whether or not non-immigrant visas are there too and uh, whether or not we'll see some uh, sort of injunctive thing. Um, we, we've done a lot of things on John Wasden, right? Wasden Barnett has won some really, really big cases on the H-1B uh, and forced USCIS to settle. And USCIS literally last week just came out with an H-1B memo, um, which, well, you know, still goes into play for those uh, changes of status. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if John Wasden and his boys uh, take on uh, the the, the this this thing uh, right now because this is this is uh, looks like it's smelling uh, good for a lobster. Okay, so what else do we have? It does not have a non-immigrant visa that's valid on the day of the proclamation. Okay, so um, it doesn't count those who have visas that are stamped in their passports outside the country. All right, so if somebody has visited, you know, gone to see mom and dad, went back to coronavirus uh, to to check on things, they can get back in if their visa is valid and scanned into their passport. They can't go to the consulate and get a new one, and the consulates are closed anyway. So this doesn't go into effect until the 24th. Today's the 22nd that I'm broadcasting this. Um, you may see this later, but um, but there's no consulates open, so no one can run in tomorrow and get themselves their visas stamped unless it's an emergency situation. So if you have an emergency situation, you might try to uh, to get in there and deal with that. Uh, so um, good luck to you on that one. So that's what that is. Um, there's also things, so if you have an advanced parole document, um, or other type of travel documents, such as a transportation letter, an appropriate boarding foil, or an advanced parole document. Advanced parole are those travel docs that come to people that have pending green cards. So if, uh, if you have that, you can get back in the country and, uh, and, and do your job. Um, on that, so, and then it doesn't cover green card holders, that makes sense, because a green card holder would not be applying for one of those visas. Um, it doesn't include spouses or kids of U.S. citizens. Uh, they can come in, I guess, on these visas. Um, but if they're a spouse of U.S. citizen, they could also come in as a spouse of U.S. citizen. So it could speed it up a little bit. So I guess if, if you're married to a U.S. citizen um, and you don't want to wait uh, the year or so it takes to get a visa to be a spouse of a U.S. citizen, you could file for one of these visas, if one of these visas were available, or if you had a pending H-1B, all the H-1Bs are due literally in the next few days, uh, you know, the 31st of June. Uh, we got to file the H-1Bs, and if they're outside the country, they're not coming in, but if they happen to be spouse of a U.S. citizen, they could, or I guess if they marry a U.S. citizen between now and then, they could do that too, so that's it. Now, some exceptions, um, so for those that to provide temporary labor or services essential to the United States food supply chain, right? So that could be H2Bs um, in the food sector, right? So uh, what would that mean? I guess that means, um, uh, so the H2A is for agricultural work. So H2Bs are for the other workers. So if it's non-agricultural related, but still in the food supply chain, I guess to do that, you could work for uh, chicken processors, you know, the Tyson Foods uh, and those, those sorts of the world. They could still do H2Bs, I suppose. Um, maybe somewhere in the restaurant industry, we'd have to dig in and see how far that goes. Uh, but uh, it says food supply chain. I think a restaurant would be at the end of the food supply chain, uh, but, uh, but I'll leave that up to a little bit more analysis, but that jumps to mind. There's a national interest 
Um, now this is determined by the Secretary of State or Homeland Security. So if you go in and say, hey, I'm, I'm national interest, uh, be prepared for that visa application to be sent off to somebody to decide it. But, you know, look, I mean, this, this is an interesting aspect for attorneys, um, you know, my brethren to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, devise cases to say that our client, what they're doing is in the national interest. So they need their H-1B, uh, they need their L-1, those sort of things, because here's what they're going to do when they come in, right? So there's another, uh, you know, we always look for the chess game here. Uh, we love those. So if uh, if you need one of those, give us a call, sign up at Strategy Session on Online Visas. We can talk about whether or not you are in the national interest in the job you're going to do. And uh, we can look at, you know, the natural interest waiver uh, criteria for that, um, you know, or we just make really great arguments and, uh, and go from there. Uh, so there's all sorts of things that might constitute the national interest. Um, and, uh, you know, let's, let's take a look at that. Uh, some other ones. Here's some, they just get a, a, a kind of a laundry list of things that are accepted. Critical to defense. Okay. So if you're doing something that's attached to one of our uh, military entities somehow, we've done some of those before. Uh, we did some L1s and A's and B's for uh, back during Desert Storm years ago uh, for fo- those that built the uh, and maintained uh, major tanks. So, so those sorts of clients that we did that for would be able to have an exception to this. Uh, law enforcement, um, if you're helping law enforcement, um, so I guess certain police officers, maybe on H-1Bs, um, could, could work there, um, or H-2Bs. Diplomacy, that's an interesting thing. So I guess if you're related to a governmental entity, somehow doing some diplomatic things. Uh, national security of the United States. Um, you know, again, that's kind of a broad net, but uh, there's some stuff there. Um, here's one that we expected. Provision of care to individuals who have contracted COVID-19 and are currently hospitalized. So how would an H-1B be provision of, of that? So I guess doctors and nurses, right? So uh, registered nurses are H-1B positions. Doctors are H-1B positions. And if they're coming in for hospital uh, services that deal with COVID-19, uh, then then that works. Um, uh, also uh, involved in the provision of medical research at the United States facility to help the United States combat COVID-19. Um, uh, others are necessary to facilitate the immediate and continued economic con- recovery of the United States. Oh, gotta love that one. Okay, lawyers right there. Um, uh, creative thinkers, uh, CEOs, um, those are the sort of things right there uh, to facilitate the immediate and continued economic recovery of the United States. So what's your company doing to help on that? Broad, uh, let's, let's be creative there. Um, I would say use experts. I'd say use data. I'd say all those sorts of things. I think there's a way to do that. Again, if you want to talk about that, schedule a strategy session, drop us a comment uh, below and, and uh, we'll have a conversation. Like that. We're, we look forward to working with companies um, and individuals that might be able to do that um, and go from there. Okay, so that's kind of uh, um, that that sort of laundry list of exceptions. Uh, let's go on. Um, there is a sort of a don't try fraud or, or misrepresentation or you'll be removed type of section in here. Um, and then it says that nothing will be construed or limit the ability of an individual to seek asylum, refugee status, withholding of removal, protection of the convention against torture or other cruel, humane, 
inhuman or degrading treatment of punishment consistent with the laws of the United States. Look at some, uh, you know, some provisions to just exclude people on that, which which makes some sense as long as it's not abused, and, and that's it. Now, here's here's the piece that is uh, that's scary. The Secretary of Labor shall, in cons- consultation with the Secretary of Homeland Security, as soon as practicable and consistent with applicable law, consider promulgating regulations or take other appropriate action um, to ensure that the presence in the United States of aliens who have been admitted or otherwise provide a benefit or are seeking admission or benefit pursuant to an EB-2 or EB-3 immigrant visa. Those are the PERM green cards, the labor certification green cards, or H-1B non-immigrant visa does not disadvantage United States workers. Okay, what does that mean? Well, here's where they didn't get into in this proclamation wages, right? So labor, they're saying labor is going to be involved in this and and immigration. So this is where they could go into a higher wage um, limitation. And we thought that might happen, and they didn't do it the proclamation. So they're asking for it to be, be eligible to apply for a visa for admission or entry in the United States or other benefit until such alien has been registered with biographical and biometric information, including but not limited photograph signatures and fingerprints. Well, we never had fingerprints before on the H-1B. We have them on the green cards. So look, that's not the biggest deal, but it, it could create some significant delays in people entering, right? So they're going to have to have biometric information. Um, those usually go to all the three-syllable, I mean, sorry, the three-letter agencies to determine, determine if somebody comes in. And, and a lot of times in the green card process, um, those have delayed entry significantly. So I don't know how fast that will happen and the practical effect of that if they're going to need to have fingerprints for every single visa that comes in. Um, you know, visitor visa or otherwise. Uh, so we'll see what that means. Um, so here's an interesting one. Um, take appro- appropriate and necessary steps consistent with applicable law to prevent certain aliens who have final orders of removal, um, who are inadmissible or deportable from the United States or have been arrested or charged with or convicted of a criminal offense in the United States from taming, obtaining eligibility to work in the United States. Okay, now, there are things in place that deal with crimes, people that commit crimes, but this is a criminal offense, right? Before, we were dealing with felonies, um, any crimes of moral turpitude, that's fraud and those sorts of things, and they had misdemeanors, but if it was for over one year of punishment, Right. So, you know, in some places, a DUI might have a three year penalty and others, it might have had a one year penalty. It had to be over one year. So a one year DUI was not grounds for denial, um, but a three year DUI is and many other crimes. Right. So there are petty crimes, petty, petty instances that have not been a basis for denying people entry into a country. And that makes sense. Right. So these crimes, just any crime, you know, crimes are different. Right. I mean, they, you know, somebody could have, uh, you know, uh, played a prank or done something young, uh, been publicly intoxicated at one point, should they never be able to get a visa into the United States because of that? I mean, it seems a little harsh, doesn't it? I mean, we don't do that to ourselves, um, you know. So anyway, that, that'll be interesting to see what that means. And, and that's just part of these regulations that may be coming out. Um, and this is what they're looking for. And as soon as practicable and consistent with applicable law, consider promulgation of regulations um, take other appropriate action regarding efficient allocation of visas pursuant to a couple of regulations, ensuring the presence in the United States of H-1B non-immigrants does not disadvantage United States workers. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. 
Um, maybe it means that they're going to require the um, recruitment like they do in the EB2 and EB3, or even in the H2B uh, visa where you have to run some ads. Um, we'll see. Uh, this might require running ads to see if there's any Americans willing or able to do the job like they do in the green cards. And that's going to add, you know, significant costs. Um, but, you know, uh, I can see where where they're trying to do that if they're trying to protect jobs. So, um, look, you know, that's that's the, the state. There's some other things. This goes into effective date on June 24th. Um, and that's it. So, um, Talking about the new proclamation, we're going to try to have a PowerPoint on what that still means. So what wasn't covered in this, in addition, again, student visas were not covered. OPT was not covered. Employment authorizations for H-4 uh, workers was not covered. So that's a relief for all of those people. Um, in addition, the E-2 investor not covered by this. Interesting that the L-1 was. E-2 investors not. I think the, the both of them should have been not, but that's that's one man's opinion. Um the O-1 is not. Professional athletes are not. Uh, the O-1's for extraordinary ability. Um, so, you know, that's something you could look at. Um, you know, uh, it didn't say the H-3. So uh, trainees under the H-3 uh, were left uh, unharmed by that. That's a good uh, uh, type of exception to the J-1 um, or the H-1B for that matter. So uh, that's something that you could look at uh, trying to do. So look, if you, if you still have questions... I'm sure you do. Contact us, uh, you know, leave some comments here. We'll try to get back to it. Go to our website, onlinevisas.com, and set a, uh, schedule a strategy session. Um, you know, uh, these are interesting times. Uh, we're going to get through it, and, uh, you know, this is a temporary deal, and if things get better, maybe they'll they'll release this a little bit. Uh, also, you know, vote. Um, you know, if, if you don't like what's going on, vote for change. Uh, we're in America. We have a free society, and that's what we can do. Or uh, let it be known to your congressmen and senators. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of congressmen and senators, even on the Republican side, uh, put in letters about how this was going to impact our, our recovery. Again, statistically, uh, this, for the H-1Bs in particular, um, you know, especially in the tech sector, <laughs> the unemployment rate went down during COVID-19. Why did that happen? Well, I'll tell you why that happened. A lot of people had to stay at home. So who was providing fixes to that? Who was providing technological advances and patches and, and ways for people to do that? Well, it, would, it was the tech sector, right? And they are very reliant on the H-1B and they're needed. So, hey, think about all that stuff. Uh, we're going to dig into this more. Uh, just want to give you some breaking news on that. I'm John Veely. I'm the CEO of, uh, of Online Visas. And we're delivering dreams one visa at a time. Thanks a lot.